By the way, can we just thank Pastor David just for leading us tonight? Just so appreciate his heart for worship and his spirit. And I just want to say thank you as well uh, to Pastor Ray and his beautiful wife, Carol. Can we just thank God for your, your pastor? And I just want to say thank you so much, Pastor Ray, for having me come. And uh, thank you guys for coming out tonight. You, the, you, are, you are the hungry group. The ones that come out on a Friday night. <laughs> you're like, you're, you're hungry for more of Jesus. Is, is anybody just hungry for more of heaven in your life? I think I've come to the right place. And uh, so, I, I, like, like your pastor said, I met him. Uh, at another church, uh, Well of Life Church in Mineral Wells, Texas, uh, Pastor Kirk Horton's church, and I was speaking there, and I met, uh, I met your pastor, and um, and and Carol there, and we had dinner together at the house, and and right away I just so loved their hearts and their hunger uh, for the things of God and their their love for people. And uh, how many of you know that you have the real deal in your pastors and leaders? You have you have leaders who more than anything else want the kingdom of God and heaven to manifest in your in your midst and uh, and that's what the Lord's doing I believe that's what he's going to do tonight and um, and I'm going to share a word that's on my heart tonight um, but there's a few people that I felt like God was speaking to and I felt like I was supposed to release some prophetic words tonight is that okay and uh, I have a word for this lady right here this young lady in the dreadlocks can you stand what's your name Jessica, can we just thank God for Jessica? <laughs> Jessica, I just saw, um, I, I just saw uh, that you have such a pure heart for the Lord, and you have just such a heart for purity. And I felt like the Lord was saying that he has marked your life with his purity, and that you're, it's like we can have a message or we can be a message. And I feel like the Lord's saying that he has made you a message of purity to your generation. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know that you're having a bigger impact than you realize. Uh, even on your friends, on your peers, on the people around you, you're an influencer. It's like uh, you're, you're like Daniel and his three friends who went into Babylon and changed the entire culture because they refused to compromise. And I feel like because of the no compromise anointing that's on your life, uh, you're influencing and you're shaping culture around you. So I just want to bless you with that in Jesus' name. And not only that, but I feel like the Lord's saying what he's calling you into. And I feel like there's um, some certain specific direction that you've been seeking the Lord on. The Lord wants you to know that he's going to make it so clear. He's directing your steps and that all the provision that you need is being released to you in Jesus' name. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Awesome. Is this... Is this your family? Are you three related or no? We claimed him. Okay. I, I birthed her. <laughs> okay, you birthed her, you claimed him. You've been birthed, you've been claimed. It's all good. Awesome. Because God's, God's hand's all over you as well. What's your name? Cody. Yeah, God's, all, God's hand is all over you, Cody. You, you also have such a pure heart. And uh, the Lord wants you to know it's been his hand on your life that's actually protected you from from some things, and his hand is going to continue to protect you from things as, as you go. There's a specific purpose and calling that God has on your life, and I feel like the Lord's saying that you're in a season right now to seek the Lord like never before, because he's going to bring clarity and specific purpose, because there's a very specific call and purpose. You've been set apart for a very specific purpose and call that God's had on your life, and it's really, really big and really, really good. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. Yeah.
Uh, what's your name again? Neam. Can you stand, Neam? Do you guys love Neam? Neam, I just, I, I see God's uh, favor all over your life. And you know, it was said of Jesus in Luke 2.52 that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And I felt like the Lord saying that your life is marked with the favor of God, but he's saying get ready because it's about to increase. I see promotion coming to you both in the spirit that's going to manifest in the natural. And I felt like the Lord saying don't worry about his timing because you are right on time and you are right on track. But there's, there's open doors of favor uh, that the Lord's about to open up for you. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Good deal. Do you, are you guys glad that we have a good God that likes to say good things to his kids? All right. All right, cool. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. While you're turning there, I just want you to let you know. I want to let you know about a book that my wife wrote. It's called Embracing Mystery, A 21-Day Journey to Hope. How many of you know that hope is a really big deal? (laughs) You know, hope could be described as this. Hope is simply to have a joyful, confident expectation that good is coming. People with hope have a joyful, confident expectation that good things are going to happen. If I'm filled with hope, it means I'm confident that good things are going to happen to me, through me, and to and through the people around me. That's what hope is. A joyful, confident expectation that good is going to happen. And my wife wrote this. It's called uh, Embracing Mystery, A 21-Day Journey to Hope. Let me just say this. How many of you know it's one thing to have hope when things are going really well? It's another thing to have hope when circumstances around you are challenging your hope level. But we need, we need to have hope even when our circumstances are telling us the opposite. And my wife actually wrote this book in, in the midst of a, a personal uh, trial and struggle with hope. Where, where as, as a couple, and you can, you, can, uh, you can hear our message at other places called um, Rejoice in the Lord Always. Um, but basically, we had to make a decision. Are we going to believe that God is entirely outrageously good even when circumstances are tempting us to believe otherwise. And we had to fight for our hope. And she wrote that in the midst of that. And it's called, uh, like I said, a 21-day journey to hope. And it's, there, there's keys in this devotional in how to cultivate a lifestyle of hope to expect good things. So I want to give this away tonight. Who here tonight, you're like, I need a hope upgrade. Who needs a hope upgrade tonight? Need a hope upgrade? All right, I'm going to give it to you. Here you go. Bless you. All right. Those are available out there. They're $10. And I'm going to give one to you as well. So just come see me later. Okay? All right. The rest of you, I'm going to give you one as well in exchange for $10. <laughs> no. But they're, no, they're, they're, uh, they're available out there. You can write a check or credit card or cash, gold watches. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a message that's on my heart. And uh, just to let you know a little bit about myself as we jump into this, um, I'm from eastern Canada. I'm from New Brunswick, Canada. Anyone been to Canada? 
Oh, wow, quite a few. This side of the room. Awesome. Um, I'm from eastern Canada, and uh, uh, I, I grew up in a broken home, didn't know Jesus, got saved when I was 16 years old, uh, into a move of God in my church. Uh, in, in January 1994, this move of God broke out in Canada. It, it spilled over into my church in uh, April of 94, and I was, I was born again right into this move of God. My wife grew up Southern Baptist. She likes to say that I grew up in crazy church. <laughs> but I, I love it, because I love crazy church. I love the move of God. I love, you know, what, what, the, what the world calls crazy, God calls normal. <laughs> So uh, I grew up in a move of God, or got saved into a move of God, rather. Um, went on staff at my church eventually, began working with youth, young adults, became an associate pastor in Canada. Um, in 2008, I moved to Redding, California uh, to attend Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. By the way, try like driving from, you know, New Brunswick, Canada to Redding, California through the border and this is after 9-11 when security is really, really tight. And they're like, where are, you go- where are you going? Well, I'm going to school. What school are you going to? Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And they're like, is that like Hogwarts? <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's a little more like X-Men camp, you know. <laughs> this is my friend he- Heath. He raises the dead. This is, this is James. He opens blind eyes. No, I didn't really say that. Um, but I attended Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Did three years school of ministry there. And then I met my wife there, Anna. We traveled for two years full-time uh, all over the United States, into Canada, Australia, Europe, really just exporting revival and equipping churches into the things of the Spirit. Because how many of you know that although there is sustained true move of God in Redding, California at Bethel Church, by the way, it's been a revival that's been going on now for like over 14 years. How many of you know revival isn't an event, it's a lifestyle? Revival is never meant to be a series of good meetings. Revival is simply meant to get the church back to what's supposed to be normal Christianity, and that is signs, wonders, miracles, people coming into the kingdom, cities being transformed as just a a normal part of Christianity. So in, in Redding, California, Bethel Church has been experiencing this for like over 14 years, but the good news is God is no respecter of persons, and he's no respecter of places. If he can do it in Redding, California, he can do it in Garland, Texas. If he can do it in a like tr- little, like, bodunk, podunk, truck stop city of 100,000 people at the top of California that nobody's heard of, he can do it in DFW and all over this entire region. And, and the good news is we're at a place now where it's not just in Redding, California, but the move of the Spirit is starting to break out really all over the planet. We're starting to see the signs, wonders, miracles, revival, reformation, transformation just become normal Christianity where, where just all of us get to do the stuff. So we, we traveled for two years just, you know, this is just my introduction. <laughs> we traveled for two years uh, just helping, you know, seeing God do this. And I'll share some stories tonight of some things that we've seen God do just to stir your faith, let you know that we can all do this, you know. God is an extraordinary God who likes to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. Like you and me. And so we traveled for two years doing this. And then uh, as we were traveling, we met a church in San Antonio, Texas called Kingdom Life. 
through a friend. We went there as a guest speaker a couple times. And then they asked us to move there. And uh, we moved there. And through conversation, we, we felt like the Lord was calling us to move there. So we moved there uh, three years ago, last month, three years ago in April. And uh, had uh, our first kids, two at once. We have identical twin girls. By the way, I'll just share a little piece of our testimony. We were told by doctors that we wouldn't be able to have kids. We, we, went, we moved to San Antonio, and through the Holy Spirit and through medicine, how, do you, how many of you know God does use medicine? Through both of those, we got pregnant, not just pregnant with one, but with two. And the Lord gave us a promise out of Isaiah 61 that says, instead of their shame, they'll receive a double portion. And it's like God said, devil, you can take your best shot, but just for trying that on my kids, I'm going to give them two. <laughs> and so we have identical twin girls. They're two years old now, Autumn Hope and Charlie Joy, and uh, I call them my ministry team. I'm speaking at a youth camp in August, and, uh, and I'm, I'm bringing our whole family with us. Anna's coming, my wife Anna, the girls are coming, and uh, the youth pastor um, texted me the other day, and he said, he said uh, remind me how old uh, your girls are. Because we need to register them if they're a certain age, if they're three or older. I said, they're, they're only two. I said, just old enough to heal the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead. <laughs> we're training them up <laughs> early. But so we now live in San Antonio, and we're seeing God do just great things in our city and in our region. And I'm telling you, this is an incredibly exciting time to be alive on planet Earth. You know, one of the best things that we can do in the body of Christ is focus on what God is doing rather than get hung up on what seems to be not happening. Or what it seems like the devil's doing. How many of you know that sometimes we have too big of a devil and too small of a God? I heard Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Church, I read just today. He said, he said, you start to gain victory the moment you stop being impressed with your problem. <laughs> we need to be more impressed with God and what it is that he's doing than we are with what the devil's doing, what it seems like he's not doing. I believe we're going to get to heaven someday and we're going to like see the devil for who he really is. Because, <laughs> you know, in, in heaven, we're going to be fully known and we're going to fully know and a full understanding, and we're going to see who this fallen angel actually is, and we're going to be like, that's who we were afraid of? That's who? Him? You know? I like what Graham Cook said. He said when the devil fell, he took a third of the angels with him, right? That means we still outnumber the suckers three to one. <laughs> and we have Jesus. <laughs> Like, this isn't that difficult. So, uh, so God's doing incredible things all over the earth. Is it okay if I share a couple testimonies before I jump into the message I'm going to share? Um, this is just the other day. I really believe on the importance of feeding on testimonies. This is just the other day. I was having, I was having uh, dinner with a friend, and he was sharing something that happened. He goes to, he goes to college in, in San Antonio, and he's just letting his light shine. You know, he's just... He's just being Jesus with skin on. He's not running around looking for people to preach to. He's just loving people well. Being bold about what he believes, um, what, he's, uh, what he's about, um, but living his life in such a way that causes people to become curious. 
and say, what is it about you? Like, there must be. And, and, and he started befriending this, this one young man in his 20s who's, who is acclaimed agnostic. Not quite an atheist, but an agnostic. In other words, he's like, maybe there's a God out there, but I don't really know what I believe. You know? He said he was an agnostic, but he said, but if more Christians could be like Zach, that's my friend, that would be really cool. Because <laughs> he saw that he was actually authentic and loving people well, and that he was real about his faith. And then he came to church with Zach, felt the presence of God in our meeting, and then he went out to dinner with a group of our young adults. That's really dangerous. <laughs> if, if, you don't want, if you don't want to get Holy Spirit on you. <laughs> and then, I'm just looking for uh, the text that he sent me, because I asked him to remind me of the story. And this is what happened. His friend came to church, felt the presence of God, went out to eat with them all, with the young adults, and then had just a whole bunch of questions. And they're just answering his questions, loving on him. And they basically say, when you go home tonight, just ask God to encounter you. And this is what happened. He said, so basically, I've been friends with this coworker for about a year. He was an agnostic and didn't like Christianity very much. Although he did say, if more Christians were like me, that would be cool. Anyway, one day he asked me what church I go to. I told him Kingdom Life SA. He decided that he wanted to go because a friend had encouraged him to do it for so long. His reasoning was that he wanted to try it again before he completely knocked it off as an option. Finally, he came and went home to have an experience with God. He was alone in his room, crying and praying. He asked God to be in relationship with him. And his previously dim-lit room got physically, got physically and visibly bright. He felt more peace and joy than ever before and believes that it was entirely God. And he got born again right there that night. Isn't that amazing? Can we just thank Jesus for that? See, there is a generation that is crying out for spiritual reality. They don't want religion. They don't want, you know, they don't want to play church. They don't want to just go through the motions. They want, they want to actually taste and see that God's good. And that's why, you know, the New Age movement and modern day witchcraft and Ouija boards and, and all of that kind of like spiritism stuff is appealing to a generation is because we've been wired and designed to connect to a spiritual reality. That's why Hollywood is putting out, has been putting out so many movies over I don't know how many years about the supernatural. It's because they're speaking the language of a generation because we live among a generation that, again, doesn't want to play church. They want to taste something that is authentic, real, tangible, and experiential. That's why Bill Johnson says all the time, we owe the world an encounter with God. We need to have encounters with him so that we become encounters everywhere we go and therefore lead people into encounters. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about, I don't even know what I'm going to title tonight's message, but I want, I want to talk about, for lack of a better term, living a supernatural lifestyle. And if you have your Bibles, go with me, Exodus chapter 33. And I'm going to share a little bit, and then I feel like we're supposed to pray for some more people tonight. But Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 12. Moses has been leading, just to lay a little bit of a context, Moses has been leading the people of Israel 
you know, they've seen God do amazing things. They've seen God deliver Israel out of Egypt. They've seen God, you know, miraculously part the Red Sea as, uh, you know, as the Egyptians are, are chasing them down. God parts the Red Sea. The Israel crosses the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptians come after them. The sea swallows them up. They've seen God supernaturally provide water for them literally out of a rock. Like for me, when I read the Bible, I need, I, like, I need to remind myself, like these aren't just like nice little stories. Like this happened. We have such a supernatural, powerful, living, relational God. They needed water while they're in the wilderness. So God's like, you know, strike the rock. And like water would just come out of this rock, which of course is a prophetic picture of Christ, our rock, who's our eternal drink. And they drank that way and they were hungry. They were tired of, you know, God supernaturally provided manna on the ground every day. It's like every, could you imagine every morning you're in the wilderness, you're living in tents and you, you need bread. So every morning you just wake up and there's like Panera bread just all over the place, you know, that God supernaturally provided it every morning. By the way, God told them, don't save it, but collect fresh manna every day. How many of you know we can't live off of yesterday's encounter? We need to hear God's voice every day. We need, we need to experience him in the secret place, in worship. Um, just, you know, I love things that God did 10 years ago, but I can't live off of an encounter I had 10 years ago. I need to taste them now. We need to stay hungry for his presence. But they're seeing God do this, you know, move on their behalf supernaturally they begin to complain they're like god we're, we're tired of bread we need some meat he's like okay cool so he causes these birds quail to fly low enough that they can just hit them with sticks and cook this quail and eat this they're seeing god move on their behalf supernaturally and he's he's leading them supernaturally with a you know a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day remember that they're seeing all this supernatural activity and then in exodus 33 as moses is leading them has seen god do all of this stuff he has this he has this conversation with God. And we'll pick up in verse 12. It says this. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14, God, God responds and he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't even bring us up from here. In other words, Moses is like, God, if your presence doesn't go with us as you're leading us into our promised land, like don't even send us. Moses is like, I would rather just stay home in my tent and play Xbox then go anywhere without your presence, right? If your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us. Verse 16, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. How many of you know it's God's presence in you and upon you that sets you apart from everyone else around you that doesn't know Jesus? It's his presence on Zach that made his friend say, if more Christians could be like Zach, that would be pretty cool. How many of you know that you are like the only Bible that some people will ever read? So we need to represent him really well. And the way that we represent him is by cultivating a love for his presence. Okay? 
Verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then Moses said this, please show me your glory. Verse 19, then God said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord your God before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Verse 21, and then the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. You can stop right there. Because I need a drink of water. (laughs) If you read on, we read that God does this very thing. Moses said, God, Show me your glory. After experiencing everything they've experienced so far, Moses had the audacity to believe that there was more. And he said, God, this is all amazing, but show me now your glory. So God takes Moses, if you read on, he puts him in a cleft of the rock, he covers him with his hand, and he causes all of his goodness to pass before him. And then if you keep reading, it says that after this encounter and after Moses receives the new version of the Ten Commandments that God has to reprint because <laughs> he smashed the old ones, you know, he comes down off of the mountain and it says that the glory of God was so radiant on the face of Moses that all of Israel couldn't even look at his face. Because of the glory that was just literally just beaming off of his face. Like this happened. Jesus. Could you imagine being so filled with the manifest presence of God. Like that people can't even look at you. (laughs) Like this actually happened. This is the glory of God. Radiating off of the face of Moses. Where they're like Moses we can't even handle this. Like put a veil over your face. So he has to put a veil over him. And this is what happened when he experienced the the glory of God. Well, if you fast forward into the New Testament, the New Covenant, the relationship that you and I have with Jesus through his blood shed on the cross 2,000 years ago, Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9, the Apostle Paul compares the glory that Moses encountered with the glory that you and I have access to and have been invited into through relationship with Jesus. And he says this. In, in fact, I'm going to read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul said, But if the ministry of death written engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel cannot look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit, in other words, the new covenant, be more glorious. Everybody say more glorious. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. Somebody say good news. Paul is saying that as amazing as it was that Moses encountered, you and I have been invited into something that is exceedingly abundantly more glorious than what Moses encountered. 
How many of you think there must be more? We're called to live supernatural lifestyles. We're, we're called to be a people who are so other than the people that don't know Jesus that we just walk into a room and they know something's different. I'm telling you, we owe the world an encounter with God. And what's going to see a generation by the thousands coming to the kingdom of God. By the way, I believe that we are, America is about to see the greatest harvest of souls that America has ever seen. But it's not going to come through good church programs. I'm not against programs. It's just not the final answer. It's not going to come through us making sure that all of our doctrine is lined up perfectly. Doctrine's important. But it's not going to see a generation come into the kingdom of God. You know it's going to see generation and thousands and multitudes of people coming into the kingdom of God. It's the raw power of God and his radical love on display in a way that they, they, they can't do anything but say, Jesus is real. I've, I just need to give my life to him. And we're called to be a supernatural people. I mean, Paul rebuked one of the churches for acting like mere humans. <laughs> He's like, come on, guys, get with it. You're acting, you're acting like people, <laughs> you know. And why? Because he knows that we're a peculiar people, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, say in Christ. He is a new creation. Behold, all old things have passed away. All, all things have become new. Now, we need to understand, if you look at the word new that he's using there, it's the word kainos. It's the Greek word kainos. K-A-I-N-O-S. Say kainos. This is what it means. In fact, before I tell you what, I, what it means, I'm going to tell you what it doesn't mean. There's two words in the New Testament that are used often throughout the New Testament that we've translated into the English word new. One is neos, one is kainos. Word neos, N-E-O-S, is the word new as in, uh, you know, I used to have a pair of Chelsea boots, but they got really worn out and scuffed up. So I went out and got a new pair of boots. They look exactly the same, but they're brand new. Those are Neos Chelsea boots. Do you guys like my boots? Thank you. And, but that's not the word he's talking about here. It's like Neos, again, is like, I used to drive a 1996 Avalon. And this is a true story. When I still lived in Redding, California, one day I was, I was driving my 1996 Avalon. It was paid for. And I was literally, it was a beautiful sunny Saturday. I'm driving down Dana Drive. Then I turn left onto Churn Creek, heading towards Bethel. And I'm literally thanking God for my car. <laughs> I'm like, God, thank you. Because I, I believe in cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And it's just, it's the way that we enter his gates. It's the way that we enter his courts. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for, I just thank him for everything. I'm like, God, thank you for my car that it's paid for. Thank you for Anna's car that it's paid for. Thank you for our home. I love you, Jesus. And as, as I'm thanking him, or after I thank him, I turn onto another street, and this elderly lady comes out of a parking lot and T-bones me and writes off our car. <laughs> I was okay. She was okay. I got to pray for her. I got to minister to her. She's like, I got to pray for her and minister to her and because and, uh, and she seemed pretty shooken up, so I released peace over her. And she's like, man, if I'm going to hit somebody, you're the guy to hit. I'm like, well, I don't know if I want that, but see, I used to drive a 1996 Avalon. I could go out and drive 
or buy uh, a, a 2019 Avalon, and that would be Neos. Okay? But Paul said that we are a new creation, and it was the word kainos. And this is what kainos means. It means novel, extraordinary, never before seen. Uh-oh is right. Uh-oh for the devil. It means novel, extraordinary, never before seen. That's who you and I have become when we were born again and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Never, novel, extraordinary, never before seen. Don't act like mere humans. Walk through life believing that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And therefore, resurrection power flows from you everywhere you go. That's who you and I are called. The devil is very afraid of you and I coming into an understanding of who we really are. Smith Wigglesworth used to tell people, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside. (laughs) When we get an understanding of who we really are, we can just walk into a room and demons will manifest. Demons will come out of people. Think about it. In the book of Acts, Peter's shadow healed the sick. That means he healed people by mistake. He would just walk down the street and people would just get close enough to him. I don't believe it was his physical shadow. I believe it was the overshadowing presence around him. That there was a certain radius around Peter of the manifest presence of God that people knew that if they just got close enough to him, they'd be healed. And God God has called every single one of us to live a supernatural lifestyle. And I just want to share tonight a few keys regarding how we can position ourselves to be a supernatural people, to live a supernatural lifestyle. And and the first one that I want to share is this. We need to be a people who are hungry for his presence. I love that this is a house that more than anything else just wants his presence. The songs that we were singing, just the, the, the hearts of your leaders, the way that we were praying. We need to keep his presence the main thing. And I really believe, I know there might be some visitors here tonight, but I'm gonna, I just want to talk to Open Heavens Church for a minute. Open Heavens, you are a people who are keeping the main thing the main thing. And that's the presence of God. And Moses told God, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us from here. I got, I got saved, uh, as I mentioned, in um, January 1994. By the time April came, just a few months later, and I'm just, I'm a new Christian. I just want everything that God has for me. There was a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit at my home church uh, in Canada. And I mean, we're talking powerfully. Um, It was happening in another city. Uh, So uh, my pastor, being hungry for the presence of God and the entire leadership team, flew to that city. Uh, got so touched by God. Some people were falling down under the power of God. Some people were shaking. Some people were laughing just as they were filled with the joy of the Lord. And unusual manifestations of the Holy Spirit began to break out. Uh, But how many of you know that when we ask for revival and we ask for God to move, we need to let God move the way that he wants to move? And how many of you know that sometimes it'll make you uncomfortable? See, the Holy Spirit's the comforter, 
but he's not overly concerned with you being comfortable. In fact, I believe one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, and he is the comforter to us, is because he calls us to do uncomfortable things sometimes. And we need his comfort. And God will often, sometimes God will even offend our minds in order to reveal our hearts. So when we say God, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, move, sometimes what we really mean, not on purpose, but sometimes we can all be guilty of this, where we're like, God, send revival. But what we mean is, send revival and send it in a package and in a way that I really want you to move and that I'm really comfortable with. And he's like, actually, I'm, I'm, behold, I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord your God. I do a new thing. And let me just say this. Oftentimes, it's the leaders of previous revivals or previous moves of God that are the ones that persecute the next move of God because it looks different than what they're used to. I was part of a powerful move of God in the 90s. I got born again into it. Crazy manifestations. Again, I told you, it started to, you know, I mean, you know God's moving when your church is meeting every night of the week except Mondays. And you can't, you're in high school and you can't wait to get to church. You're like with your friends trying to get all your homework done so you can get to church. Because God was showing up. I'm talking 12-year-olds having visions of angels at the back of the church. 12-year-old daughter of her assistant pastor went into this full-on open vision and saw this angel at the back of the church. She's speechless, staring at this. Later describes to her parents what she saw. And she described in detail a seraphim angel that's described in the book of Isaiah. She saw fire coming off of it. She saw all of these things. I mean... The power of God would come into the room so strong. Like after our pastor would preach, we would just literally stack all the chairs and we'd just have people line up on prayer lines as ministry team came and people just started falling under the power of God. And some people are like, why are they falling? And my pastor's like, because they can't stand up, I guess. <laughs> you know, God's just moving. And I was, I was brand new in the Lord, but I wanted everything that God had for me. So I remember I'd be the first one up on the prayer line and our, our old school prayer model was standing on the prayer line Lift your hands and think about Jesus. So that's what I do. I would stand there, lift my hands, think about Jesus. Ministry team would come. They would just barely even touch your head. And they'd say, just really gently, come Holy Spirit. And then, boom, the Holy Spirit would come on me. Just whether I would feel his power or his love or just his weighty glory. And I would fall down under the power of God. And I could resist it if I wanted to. It's not like God knocked me down. But it's like we were trained to just go with it. If God wants you to just lay and bask in his presence for a while, just, just go down. And we had catchers and we would just lay in the, power of, in the presence of God as waves of his love and his joy and his peace would begin to wash over us. I was 16 years old. And I would lie on the floor for hours and get up off the ground, like literally intoxicated by the presence of God. Just drunk. You're like, well, that's weird. Why would God do that? Because he's God. And he can do whatever he wants. Ephesians 4 talks about God giving us peace that passes our understanding. 
But in order to have peace that passes our understanding, we need to give up our right to understand everything. So, so God began to move, and, and, uh, and I, just be, I just got addicted to the presence of God. Uh, you know, there's a reason in the book of Acts chapter 2 that people, you know, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking in tongues and preaching the word of God boldly. Remember, it was 9 in the morning. They accused them of being drunk. The reason they accused them of being drunk is because they looked drunk. <laughs> they were so happy, you know, they were so, uh, so filled with joy, so filled with boldness that people were like, they must have just been drunk on wine. And, that, and, and Peter said, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, but they're filled with the spirit. What they're, what they're experiencing was prophesied by Joel too. He said that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And we just began to experience this. But the good news is when you're just, when you're drunk on the Holy Spirit and not alcohol, there's no hangover and it produces fruit in your life rather than causing you to do stupid things. That's why, that's why Paul said in Ephesians 5.19, don't be drunk on wine that leads to debauchery, in other words, doing stupid things, but be filled with the Spirit. And we began to see God just move powerfully in our church, physical healings, marriages getting restored. And some, some people persecuted that move of God, and they're like, well, that's just the devil. And because they were uncomfortable with it. And we're like, okay, let's do the math. Bodies are getting healed. People are falling more in love with Jesus. Marriages are getting restored. Pastors that are getting ready to quit ministry are getting filled with, filled with love for God and ministry and people all over again afresh. Like, do you really think the devil would do that? <laughs> you know? But sometimes we persecute what we don't understand. And if we ask God to move, we need to let him move on our, his terms. So I be, I, my pastor said, in the same way that we're, you guys are experiencing God at church, you can experience him in your bedroom. You can experience him when you're driving your car. You can experience him, you know, when you're, as you're on your way to work, on your way to school. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. So when we were getting home in my bedroom, 16 years old, I would put on some worship music, and I would just do what they did at church. I would just lift my hands and think about Jesus. And I would worship him. And I would say, come, Holy Spirit. Just come. Rest on me. Fill me up. Come into my bedroom. And sometimes I wouldn't feel anything for a minute. And then I would just wait expecting and then the presence of god would just come boom and and then i'd be like i want to do it the way they do it at church but there's no there was no ministry team so i was like i guess i'm just going to pray for myself and i'm just like lord fill me up <laughs> you know and then i would feel god's presence start to come on me and i'm like well there's no catcher so i guess i'm the catcher too and i'm just kind of let myself down and i would lay on the floor as waves of god's love begin to encounter me and i'm telling you i have never stopped having a hunger and a desire for the presence of God. And people who transform cities and transform regions are people who, like Moses, say, God, I'm thankful for everything that I've experienced so far, but show me your glory. If your presence doesn't go with us, don't even send us. We need to be a people that are hungry for the presence of God, where we cultivate it not just at church, but on Monday morning on our way to work. On Tuesday morning when we wake up, we spend some time with Jesus. And we're like, Lord, just fill me with your presence afresh. I love you. I worship you. I want to cultivate an awareness of your presence. And when we do that, we start to take it with us everywhere we go. 
Next thing I know, I'm sitting in my 10th grade biology class by my hippie friend Tim, and I'm telling him about what's happening at my church. And he's intrigued. I'm like, dude, it's crazy. I said, it's not religion. It's not just going to church like God's moving. And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, dude. Like sometimes I'm just filled with so much joy, I can't stop laughing. Sometimes I'm just filled with so much peace. It's like better than any drug. It's better than anything the world could offer you. And I'm just telling them stories. And I'm, and I'm not kidding. As I'm telling them stories about what God's doing in our church, the Holy Spirit lands on him right beside me in biology class. And he starts laughing. He starts to get filled with the joy of the Lord. And then I start getting filled with the joy of the Lord. And we're both sitting there just laughing back and forth and feeling the presence of God. And the biology teacher, like all of our friends, like the whole class is like working on their projects and we're sitting there laughing. And, he, and, and a biology teacher would come over and he's like, what's so funny? We're like, we don't know. And we're just laughing, having an encounter with God. At the end of that experience, Tim's own words were, I want to live for Christ. We owe the world an encounter with them. So Tim went and told his friend Joe, who was in my next class. Joe was sitting beside me in music class, and he's like a bigger hippie than, than Tim is. And he's like, hey, Chuck. I'm like, yeah. He goes, Tim told me what happened in biology class. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's wild. He goes, think you can pray for me? I go, absolutely. But by this time, I was like a few, you know, I was like a few months old in the Lord, so I was an expert. <laughs> so I began to coach him. I'm like, I'm like, no, Joe, don't put God on a box. God touched him with joy. You might feel something different. You might, you might feel peace. You might feel joy. You might just feel his love. So I said, just lift your hands and think about Jesus right now. I said, but do it under the desk so the teacher doesn't see you. <laughs> so he goes okay and he puts his hands under the desk and I like could just cross my arms like this I touch him and I discreetly go come Holy Spirit just touch Joe right now as I pray I just watch this smile come across his face and I like I saw him, I watched my pastor do this so I just did what my pastor did and I said, I said and I interview him I go Joe he goes he's like this he goes yeah I said are you feeling the presence of God in a tangible way <laughs> and he goes he goes, I am. I go, what's happening, Joe? He goes, I just feel so much peace right now. I go, yeah, man, that's good. That's Jesus. And I, I just said, more, Lord. Just touch him. Bless Joe. And he was having an encounter with God. At the end of that, they actually said, Chuck, if we gather our friends together, do you think we can go out in a field beside the school at lunchtime and just have you pray for all of our friends? <laughs> And that didn't happen. I wish that it did. But my point is this. When we encounter him, we get to release encounters everywhere we go. And people are hung hungry for him. In fact, just lift your hands in front of you right now. And tell the Lord that you're hungry for fresh encounters with him. Just tell him in your own words. Yeah, Father. I just pray that all over this room you would release a fresh hunger for encounters with you. And I pray that you would even release, Jesus, a grace for encounters with your presence. 
I pray, God, that even tonight, people would have encounters with you that they've never had before. All over this room, I release grace for encounters with your heart, with your love, with your presence. In Jesus' name, more, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. Increase. Increase your presence, Lord. Yeah, just stay there just for a minute. Increase, Holy Spirit. More of your presence. More, God. More, 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 more. More, 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 more. More, 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 more. Some of you are feeling like a, a peace, and some of you are feeling it's almost like a, a fire just, just going all through your body. More, Jesus. More, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I feel like there's somebody with pain uh, that's in their, almost their, uh, the back of their shoulders, a tightness and a pain in the back of your shoulder. And it's just leaving you right now in Jesus' name. It's leaving your body right now. I release healing right now in the name of Jesus. Who is that? Yeah. How does it feel right now, sir? How does it feel? Is it gone? Come on, let's thank Jesus for that. So we need to be a people that's just that's hungry for more of him and that we cultivate an awareness. The other key in, in being a people that live a supernatural lifestyle is this. We need to be a people that believe in his goodness. Here, it's really interesting. Moses said, God, show me your glory. What was God's response? I will cause all of my goodness to pass before you. Here's the deal. God's glory is 100% equal to his goodness. And he's better than we think he is. In fact, turn to the person beside you and say, he's better than you think. He's really, really good. And I really believe that God is releasing a fresh revelation to the body of Christ regarding his nature. He's screaming to a generation, I am a really good father. I'm a really good God. Just get to know me. It's like that song that we were singing earlier, Good, Good Father. It's so, so true. He's so good. And as soon as we think we got a revelation of how good God is, he's like, that's, that's pretty good, but I'm way better than that. God's glory is his goodness on display. And if you want to really know how good God is and know what his nature is like, we just need to look at the person of Jesus in the Gospels. In fact, it says this in Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If you want to know what God's like, just look at Jesus because he is the exact representation of the Father. It's really important that we understand this because if you look at the life of Jesus throughout the Gospels, he healed every single person that came to him. 
you'll never once find Jesus turning somebody away and saying, I know I healed all those people, but I'm not going to heal you because this sickness is actually teaching you humility and perseverance. It's actually my gift to you. You won't find it. He healed every single person that came to him. Everywhere Jesus went, he was healing the sick, casting out devils, opening blind eyes, raising the dead. You've heard Bill Johnson say it probably. Jesus ruined every funeral he went to, including his own. (laughs) Right? It's who he was. One time Philip came up to Jesus in John chapter 14. You can read it later. Philip came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, when are you going to show us the Father? Jesus is like, Philip, have you been with me this long and you're asking me to show you the Father? Don't you understand that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? In other words, when you look at the life of Jesus, you will see fully what the heart of the Father is. He healed everybody who came to him, never turned one person away. But often in the church, we've created theologies to make us feel comfortable with our lack of experience. Rather than allowing our experience to catch up to the word of God. We can't lower our standard any less than what we saw Jesus walk in. It doesn't mean we, go, we give in to shame and condemnation when we don't get healed or we don't see people healed. Don't get all introspective and be like, well, why isn't it happening? Just say, God, I need a greater revelation of your goodness. Does this make sense? See, we've talked about hope. We talked about how, how important it is to have hope in the church, to have a, a joyful expectation that good things are going to happen. Well, there's a scripture in Romans chapter 15, verse 13 that says this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Say in believing. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The key phrase there is in believing. How much hope we have is determined by how much truth we believe. When we believe lies, we empower a disempowered devil. But the more we renew our minds with truth, especially as it pertains to God's nature and what he's really like and how good he is, how much he loves us, how much he doesn't just love us, but he likes us and delights in us and that we're his favorite ones. You know, that's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God is we all get to be his favorite. When we renew our minds with the truth of the goodness of God, it's like Romans 12 too. Do not, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we renew our minds with, how, with, the, with the reality that God is really, really good, and he's good all the time, he wants everybody healed. He wants, you know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught them to pray heaven to earth. If you look at heaven, what does it look like? There's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no depression, there's no lack, there's no disease. So when you pray heaven to earth, everything that's not of heaven has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. See, Christianity isn't just about praying a prayer to get to heaven. It's about renewing our minds enough so that heaven gets into us. And we start to release heaven everywhere we go. I love the name of this church, Open Heavens Church. But here's the deal. God isn't calling us to just pray for open heavens. He's calling us to believe that we are open heavens. 
Remember in Psalm uh, 24 verse 7, the writer of Psalm said, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. When's the last time you saw a gate with a head on it? He's talking about you and me. We are the gates of heaven. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, with a confident, joyful expectation that good is going to happen to you, through you, and everywhere you go, that the King of glory may come in. We are the gates of heaven. Jesus said, he who believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Remember Ezekiel? In Ezekiel, I think it's uh, 47 or 37, you read about the river of God that flowed from the temple, right? And the further it went from the temple, the, the deeper the water got. And there's a key in that, by the way. Some of the greatest miracles are going to happen the further we get from the four walls of the church. It's not going to happen just in the house when we gather together. It's going to happen in the marketplace, in the workplace, in schools, in universities. Miracles, signs, wonders, leading people into encounters with God. In the Old Testament, the river flowed from the river, or from the temple. In the New Testament, because remember, we're part of a better covenant, that's more glorious. In the new covenant, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, he who believes in me, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. And everything it touches will be healed. See, we're, God is taking us from a season of praying for revival to believing that we are revival. That we just are revival. Just go have one. You know? And it happens when we start to actually believe that he's good. And we renew our minds with the reality of his nature, of his goodness, of his perfection. God is looking for believing believers that will believe that he's really, really good. And the other key that I want to share, and I'll close with this, is a key to living a, a supernatural lifestyle is just starting to take risks. Take, take steps of faith to release his kingdom everywhere you go. In John 14, Jesus said, He who believes in me, this, the works that I do, he will do also. And even greater works. Because I go to my Father. Everybody say greater works. Greater. Notice that it doesn't say, he who stands behind a pulpit and preaches the works I do, he will do also. It doesn't say he who's been to Bible school. It doesn't say he who has finally become holy enough. How many of you know that Jesus made you holy 2,000 years ago? You can't make yourself any holier than the blood of Jesus made you 2,000 years ago. You just need to get over it and understand that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've become professional repenters. <laughs> and I'm all about repentance. But once we've repented, we need to start to believe that the blood of Jesus is actually more powerful than our mistakes and our sins and our shortcomings. One of the greatest forms of humility is to take God at his word that you're actually forgiven. Guilt, shame, and condemnation is simply a subtle form of pride. Because it's believing that we're actually more powerful than the blood of Jesus. 
So we need to, if we're going to repent of anything, let's repent of our shame and condemnation. <laughs> I'm going to talk some more about that Sunday morning. I need to move on. So, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and even greater works, because I go to my Father. And the Lord really is releasing a generation that believes that we can do the same things Jesus did. If you're filled, it's the same Holy Spirit. There's no junior Holy Spirit. That means uh, a two-year-old can do it. There's no level six Holy Spirit. There's no level 7.5. It's all Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. We, when, when we just start to actually believe that, we're actually going to start to see it manifest all around us. And, and that's one of the things that God's doing, and that's one of the keys to living a supernatural lifestyle, is believing that we can all do the stuff. The day of the one-man show is, is over. In fact, the whole purpose of people who stand behind the pulpit and preach and teach and equip, it says in Ephesians 4, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Do you know what the job of an evangelist is? To raise up evangelists and equip them to go do this stuff. And, and we, need, you know, we need to get, get over ourselves. We need to get over our own fear, get over our own shame. And, and you know, sometimes we just need to... See, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just not allowing fear to tell us what to do. Right? It doesn't mean you won't fear, feel fear. It just means you're not going to allow it to be in charge. And when God prompts you to pray for somebody in public, you say, I feel really scared right now, but fear is not my master. His love casts out fear. So we're going to press through it. And I'm telling you, there are incredible breakthroughs just on the other side of your fear. I was uh, traveling in Australia and I was traveling with one of the pastors of Bethel. I was a third-year student at, a t- at the time, and we were speaking at a church called the New Earth Tribe. <laughs> and it was just, you know, it's in Byron Bay, which is the most eastern tip of mainland Australia, which means the New Age movement thinks that it's, a, it's the eastern gate to the nation, so they're all there, and there's a lot of hippies, a lot of New Age culture. And so this church said, if we're going to reach these people. We need to do things a little bit different. So they stopped calling themselves a church. They started calling themselves a spiritual community because they knew that if they called themselves a spiritual community, these, these like these hippies and new agers would actually come and then they'd encounter Jesus and it would be too late. They started going out onto the streets and praying for people and they would say, Hey, I noticed that you're on crutches. Can I pray for you? And they'd be like, well, what medium are you going to pray to? And they'd be like, well, I'm going to pray to Jesus. And because they've experienced religion and have had bad experience, they're like, no, that's okay. I don't want that. They're like, God, what do we do? How do we reach these people? So God gave them a word of wisdom. And he said, when they ask what spirit you're going to pray to say the spirit of Christ. And for some reason, they were okay with that one. <laughs> so they would say, well, what spirit are you going to pray to? And they said, I'm going to pray to the spirit of Christ. They're like, oh, okay. I haven't heard much about the spirit of Christ. And they and they start to pray, be healed in the name of the spirit of Christ. And they would get healed. They'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm healed. They're like, yeah, that was Jesus Christ. And it was like too late. <laughs> and they started seeing these hippies just get saved and encounter God. And we're, we're ministering in this church called the New Earth Tribe, <laughs> which is biblical, by the way. <laughs> 
And it's a Friday night meeting. We're doing a revival service, and God's moving. And they're meeting in a school auditorium, uh, so we need to like pack everything up and get out of there by 10 o'clock. And, and it just so happened that it was schoolies week in Australia, and that basically means it was their summer break. So there's college students all over the streets, all over town, going in and out of the bars and restaurants. So I go with some of the young adults of the church, and we're sitting in a cafe, and, and I'm just feeling the presence of God, and I'm just like buzzing. And we're sitting there having our cappuccinos and just, just chatting, and we start to walk out to the car, and I was like, I can't just go home. Like, I need to go get in trouble for Jesus somewhere. So I said to our host, I'm like, dude, can we just go walk around a little bit and see what happens. He's like, totally. So we say goodbye to some of the other people. Me and a couple Bethel students and our host are walking down the street and we walk in front of a bar and there's a group of young people uh, like in their 20s and I just felt this boldness of God, you know. It says in Proverbs 18 that the righteous are as bold as a lion. When we are secure in our identity that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we become as bold as lions. So we're walking past this bar, and I felt what I, what I like to call the spirit of I don't care what you think. So we just kind of stopped in front of them, and I said, hey. And they said, yeah. I said, we're a team from California, and we pray for people and see miracles. <laughs> and I got their attention. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. We saw some tonight. Do any of you have pain in your body? And, and then some of them ratted out their friend. They're like, you do. You were complaining about your back earlier. And uh, I'm like, you have back pain? He goes, yeah. And, uh, and one of the other young men on the street said that he was a Christian. I'm like, oh, you're a Christian? He said, yeah. I'm like, awesome. Then you're going to pray for your friend's back. <laughs> I just thought I would equip the saints at the same time, you know. So I said, okay. And now a, a small crowd's kind of gathered around. And I said, put your hand on his back. And he puts his hand on his back. I said, repeat after me. Kingdom of God come. He goes, kingdom of God come. All pain go. He goes, all pain go. Be healed in Jesus' name. He goes, be healed in Jesus' name. And he's just praying this prayer. Maybe even humoring me. I don't know. I don't really care. God can work with that. So he prays this prayer. And the guy that had the bad back, I said, try to do something that you couldn't do before. He bends over and he touches his toes. He straightens up and he drops the (laughs) F-bomb. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you what happened. He goes, holy blank, what did you just do to my blanking back? I haven't been able to touch my toes since I was 12 years old, and all the pain's completely gone. Yeah, we can thank Jesus for that. It's not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit that lives in every single one of us. And his back got totally healed. Now, he didn't even get born again yet, but he turned into an evangelist. And he starts, like, stopping people that are walking by. And he's like, come meet my friends who just healed my back. And, you know, and he's, and he's like, gathering people. And now more people gather around. And we have, like, I don't know, five or seven young adults gathered around. And we just start prophesying over them. We just start calling the gold out in them. And we're just, like, you know, giving them little prophetic words of encouragement, like, like we did over here earlier and they're like they're confirming it's like yeah that's totally her and like they're they're just loving it and and they're and they're just god's talking to them they're encountering jesus and and i said listen all of you have probably experienced church on some level maybe experienced religion i said i'm not talking about religion tonight i'm talking about a true authentic relationship with the same jesus who just healed nick's back who just talked to all of you Do you want to ask him to come live inside of you right now? We can pray right now. And one of the young ladies goes, can we hold hands? I go, absolutely. So right there in a circle, we just held hands, prayed. They all got born again, gave their life to Jesus, and prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit right there. Just from taking a step of faith and saying, does anybody have pain in their body?
and believing that God was going to show up. I was in Topeka, uh, Mexico on a mission trip when I was a Bethel student. And we're doing beach ministry because if you're in Mexico, you should just do beach ministry, right? <laughs> and we're walking on the beach and I saw a stage. We all saw because it was very obvious. There was a stage set up. It was spring break actually at the time. So there's people all over the beach, both tourists, locals. And there's a stage set up you know, at this section of the beach with big multimedia screens and they're playing music videos and there's dancers. And we're like, what is going on there? As we got closer, we saw that there was a little like kiosk off to the side. It was a cell phone company just signing people up for their product. But they're having like a big party on the beach as a promotion and inviting people, you know, to, to sign up for their whatever they were selling. And I had this idea and I turned to our team leader and I'm like, dude, let's go ask them if we can use their sound system to call out words of knowledge for healing all over the beach. And my friend who is leading our, our team's name's Chris, he's Puerto Rican and he's intense. And he got that look in his eye, you know. He goes, yeah. He goes, let's go ask them right now. So he grabbed our interpreter and I went with them and we start heading for the stage and we're like, and he's praying, God, give me wisdom. What do I say? Who's in charge here? Finds the guy who looks like he's in charge. And this is what he said to the guy that was working this event, in charge of this event. He said, excuse me, sir, my name's Chris and I have a team of miracle workers from all over the world. And it was true because our mission trip were students from all over the world. He said, we have a team of miracle workers from all over the world. And I just want you to know we are willing to offer our services for your event for free tonight. If you're interested, and the guy looks at his watch and he goes, can you come back at four o'clock? We're like, totally. He's like, okay, come back at four. It's lunchtime. We go have lunch. We're like, guys, they told us to come back at four. Let's go. Um, let's go see what happens. So we go, and the guy that's in charge doesn't just let us use the sound system, but he said, hey, me and my whole crew are going to go get dinner. The stage, the sound system, it's yours for the next hour and a half. Do whatever you want. So we grab our translator. We're like, get on the stage and tell the beach that there's a group of miracle workers here. And if they need healing or a miracle in their body to come to the stage. He goes, I've never done anything like this before. We're like, it's okay. Neither have we. Just go up there and say that to the entire beach. So he gets up and on the microphone, he announces there's miracle workers from all over the world. If you need healing in your body, you know, come to the stage. So next thing we know, people are just coming to the platform. And now we're like, oh God, you know. Remember, John Wimber once said, faith is spelled R-I-S-K, right? So these people start to come. And we, we have a team of like 15 people. Not many of us speak Spanish. We have two translators, so we're like fighting over them. And I'm just kind of bouncing around from group to group as people are praying for people. And we know a few words, like we know fuego and mas. <laughs> and Jesus. <laughs> mas fuego, Jesus. <laughs> you know, more fire. <laughs> Um, and, and we're praying for people. And I noticed that some of our students were, some of the students were praying for this, uh, gentleman's shoulder and he had dislocated his shoulder. He couldn't move it hardly at all. And it was in a lot of pain. And uh, I go, what's going on here? He go, they said, well, he has, they explained to me, they said, we prayed, but it's not healed yet. And I just felt like a grace to lead people to Jesus. Like there's power in the gospel. You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. 
unto salvation for everyone who believes. So I, I, I just share it through the translator. I said, I said, you want to ask Jesus to come live in your heart? He said, see. You know, asking, the gospel is as simple as, like, I was on an airplane once, and I, like, I'm sitting beside this young man. He had never flown before, so I'm, I'm like, trying to comfort him. And I told him, you know, asked if he needs any help finding his gate or whatever. And as we're walking off the platform, or off the ramp from the airplane, I said, hey, um, has anyone ever told you what it means to be born again? He goes, no. I go, is it okay if I tell you what it means to be born again? He goes, sure. So I told him. I said, do you want to be born again? He goes, sure. And he just gave his life to Jesus right there. Like, we just need to, it's not how good we are at communicating the gospel. It is the gospel itself. The Holy Spirit speaks to people's hearts. So, so I said to this guy with the dislocated shoulder, I said, I said uh, do you want to ask Jesus to come to your life? And he goes, see. So he prayed with me to ask Jesus into his heart. And then I said, okay, the same Jesus who you just asked to come live inside of you wants to heal your shoulder. I said, repeat after me. Jesus, he said, Jesus, I receive my healing. In Spanish, he said, I receive my healing. And I said, lift your arm. And he goes, and he goes higher and higher and higher. And he lifts it up. His eyes get really big. A tear comes down his cheek. And he starts jumping up and down because he's totally healed. And next thing we know, he's heading for the stage. And he asks for the microphone. And he announces to the entire beach that Jesus just healed his shoulder. Now, we need to understand there is power in the testimony. Sometimes just by sharing a testimony, people start to get healed of the same thing. In fact, I declare right now, shoulders being healed right now in this room. Anybody with shoulder pain that came in with shoulder pain, start to move your shoulder right now and you'll notice a difference in your shoulder right now. Just start, start to test it out right now. How many of you that came in with shoulder pain? Raise your hand. Anyone? All right, we just release, we release that testimony into your shoulder right now, and we release the testimony into your shoulder right now, and we just release healing into your shoulder. I command it to loosen. I command it to be healed. Whoa, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you for it. Yeah, I see God moving on you right now. More Holy Spirit. More Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in her shoulder. Just start to move it around a little bit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. More. More, Lord. More, God. Thanks for what you're doing, God. Yeah, what's going on? A little bit of popping? Was it popping before or pain? Yeah. Yeah, just keep thanking the Lord for it and keep moving it around, okay? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, more, more on her shoulder too, Lord. Yeah, just you, you over here as well. Just keep thanking the Lord for his healing and just keep testing it out throughout the night. So he gets, he gets the, the microphone and he announces to the entire beach, Jesus just healed my shoulder. Next thing you know, people just start getting healed like this. People that came up for prayer, some of them that hadn't even got prayer yet, they're testing it out, they're getting healed. And in an hour and a half, we saw 50 to 60 people physically healed and give their life to Jesus right there on the beach. Just by taking a risk, you know? And there's just, just living a lifestyle of doing that. Just on the way here, my Uber driver from my house to the airport, 
as, as I'm getting out, I felt like the Lord said that he had some hip pain, um, lower back or hip pain. And as I'm getting my bag, I said, this might sound crazy, but do you have pain in your hip or back? And he goes, yeah, from driving all the time. I, I just said, I believe God's healing you right now. I said, just receive that. By the end of today, I believe your pain's going to be gone, and it was Jesus. Just as simple as that. It's what I call a drive-by healing. <laughs> you know? And, and, and just like that, it's like we can start to live a lifestyle like that. I went in to get an oil change in our own city, and I felt like God said that the, the, guy, the gentleman working found out later it was the manager had knee pain. I go, do you have pain in your knee? He goes, yeah, how did you know? I said, I'm a Christian, and sometimes God just shows me, and I, I feel like he wants to heal you. Can I pray for you? And then I said this. I said, please do not humor me. Please be perfectly honest. I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to tell me exactly how it feels afterwards. I pray for him. I said, test it out. Try to do something you couldn't do. He tested out. He's like, the pain's totally gone. I said, I said, be completely honest with me. I can handle it. He goes, no, it's completely gone. I said, that's amazing. God just loves you so much. And see, I didn't have an agenda other than just put the love of and power of God on display. And then he began to open up to me about how he has broken relationship in his family and I got to pray for that and I got to minister to him. And he had an encounter with the love of the Father right there in the garage. We can do this as a lifestyle. And it, and it, and it comes by believing, by cultivating a love for his presence, carrying his presence with us everywhere we go, believing in his goodness, being absolutely convinced that he's entirely good all the time. He wants to heal everybody who comes to him. He wants heaven to invade earth everywhere we go. And then taking steps of faith, which is spelled R-I-S-K, and seeing the kingdom released everywhere we go. Is this helping anybody? We all get to do this stuff. And I feel like even tonight, the Lord wants to release like a commissioning for us to be a people of his presence that believe in his goodness and take risks to release his kingdom. Let's all stand together if we can. Is there any way that we can have somebody uh, on a guitar or a musician or even just some music playing if that's easier? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just lift our hands out to him one more time. Come, Holy Spirit. More, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Come on, just begin to attach faith to his goodness tonight. Lord, I pray that you would release a hope a joyful, confident expectation that good is coming. All right, there's, there's a few people, a few more people I feel like God's touching. Anybody with any type of osteoarthritis, you have osteoarthritis, I want you to raise your hand and wave at me. Osteoarthritis, okay, keep your hand up just for a minute. Anybody with degenerative disc, degenerative disc that causes back pain, wave at me if that's you. Anybody with degenerative disc? Okay. 
I see you do. Okay. Somebody that's been uh, suffering with migraine headaches. Who is that? You've been having migraine headaches. Some of you have your hands raised, but I'm not sure if you're just praising the Lord. Is that you? Okay, migraines. Somebody with diabetes, I feel like God's touching tonight. That's you. Somebody with carpal tunnel, and it especially affects the right wrist. Who is that? Pain in your right wrist. It could be left. Sometimes my uh, words of knowledge are dyslexic. That's you? Is it your right? Oh, it's your left. Okay. Cool. Okay, we're just going to stop there just for a minute. If any of what I just said applies to you, raise your hand nice and high. Okay. This is what I want, want you to do. I want somebody, somebody put a hand on them. I don't want you to pray quite yet, but we're going to pray for them in just a moment. I know you've, you've been trained to pray for people, but what I, I just want, I, I want to remind you that we're not begging God to do anything. We're just cooperating with what he already wants to do. Okay? Jesus healed everybody who came unto him. In fact, some of you are actually already starting to be healed before anybody even prays for you. Now, those that have a hand on them, I want you to say out loud, kingdom of God come, all pain go, body be healed in the name of Jesus. Body, I bless you with the presence of Jesus. Come into alignment with heaven. I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay with them just for a minute. Those that are getting prayer, I want you to try to do something that you couldn't do before or just test it out if there's a way to test it out. If it's your shoulder, just begin to move your shoulder um, or whatever it is, your, your fingers. Uh, if it was arthritis, wherever it is you have arthritis, just start to test it out and try to do something that you couldn't do before. Just start to move around. And just continue to bless their body as they're doing that. Now as, as you're doing that, those that are getting prayer, wave at me. If your, pain, your pain's completely gone, just begin to wave at me. Right here, pain's completely gone. Let's just thank Jesus for that. Come on, let's just celebrate with her. Everyone else, just wave at me if your pain is 80% better. It's 80% gone or more. Wave at me. Right here, 80% better. Come on, let's celebrate with her. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else, as you test it out, your pain's gone. Just wave at me. If you got prayer, your pain's gone. Come on, let's thank Jesus. Come on, that's amazing.
All right. The rest of you, we're going to pray one more time, okay? Jesus prayed for somebody and they were partially healed. Then he prayed again and they were fully healed. If Jesus prayed more than once, you and I can, okay? Let's pray for them one more time. Come on, put a hand on them and say, Father, I thank you for what you're doing and I bless them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. More. More of your presence. More of your presence. More of your presence. 100% in the name of Jesus. Remember, we're not, we're not begging God. We're thanking God. Thank you, Jesus, for healing. Thank you for the good work that you began. Thank you for the people that you've already touched. We ask that you would do it again. What is it you're getting prayer for? Oh, yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to his blood sugars. And I say, come into alignment with heaven. Be fully healed. I speak to his blood sugar levels. And I say, come into alignment. Be healed. Be restored in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. All right, those, those that just got a little bit more prayer, test it out one more time. Oftentimes, it's in the testing it out that God meets you. So try to do something you couldn't do. All right. And both those that have already been healed, quick I want to hear what God did do you mind come on up, coming up and just sharing what it is that happened for you and can you come on up too yeah what, what is it you got prayer for I got prayer for my thigh hip I've been suffering with that for a whole week I had to miss work because of it this week and the Lord told me you need to go to service because you, you're healed already, but the manifestation you shall receive tonight. Come on. And I received it tonight. And all the pain's gone. All the pain's gone. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. And I just glorify God because I have not slept in about three or four days, three mm. or four nights, mm. because of the pain. But God healed me. And I know that God is getting ready to do some great things. Amen. You know, when we go through stuff, just start praising the Lord because there's something on this way. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we just pray that she'd have a great sleep tonight in Jesus' name. All right. Yeah, come on up. <laughs> what did you get prayer for? shared this with a few people, but I got the news this week that there is no cancer. Now the next step is that the fibroid and the cyst are going to be completely gone when I go back on July 19th for the follow-up exam. 
And then after that, my husband will come, and I will have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Father, we thank you for a good report yes. in the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. All right, who else? A couple more testimonies. Yeah. What did you get prayer for? Yay. Come on. It's amazing. Am I missing anybody? Anybody else? You got prayer and it was 80% better or more after you got prayer that we didn't hear from yet. We have time for one more. All right. All right. Let's just lift our hands to Jesus. Father, we just say that we love you tonight. And Father, we ask that everything that you've done in here, we would take out there. That you would fill us with boldness. You would fill, fill us with courage. You would fill us with compassion for the lost. You would fill us with a fresh revelation of your nature. That you're good. That you're better than we think you are. That we, you would continue to renew our minds with the reality that you're good. In Jesus' name. Now put your hands out in front of you. And I want you to make a declaration. I want you to say hands. You are loaded with the presence of God. And I have a license to use them against the powers of darkness. To heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out demons. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just thank the Lord.